Yorkie in the pistol. Now Collins stands next to him in the shotgun. Yorkie asks for it and now has it. Yorkie will throw across the middle. Got it complete. Cody Rice behind the Wolverines. He dives. Touchdown, Michigan State. He split the defenders and the Spartans strike first in Ann Arbor. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. Here's your host, Brian Collins. SRZ back at you, Ryan Collins, Eric Bach, Nathan Stearns, and Joseph Dandron. How are we doing today, boys? It is what it is, man. What is that? You wanted to wanted to see Michigan State play this weekend? Well, it's, you know, it's another play-by-play rep for me. It's yeah, little money, little money in my pocket. You know, I get paid the same regardless of how the game goes. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I so Michigan State, Maryland canceled this morning. I think we all knew it. I mean, after they didn't practice, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, there was no shot, there was no play. But... If you're a Michigan State fan, it's a nice little break, right, Nate? Yeah, yeah, no, we can we can spend the extra week learning how to pick up blitzes and effectively pass off. <laughs> My main man, Joe Dandron, last night, well, big NBA guy. What you think of the Cleveland Cavaliers pick last night? Oh, you're not, are you a Cavs fan? Oh, I'm a Pistons fan. It goes Pistons, then Cavs, your number two. Okay, so um, did you like Killian Hayes? I did. I, I love the pick. I got it. I'm gonna. I'll send you an article after this from uh, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer that kind of broke down Killian Hayes. I'm all in. I'm all yeah, in. There was like a I was pretty. I was pretty upset that Obi Toppin didn't get picked by the Cavaliers at five. That would have been a perfect pick, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't really get that. I don't. Really but it was like, cool. I thought it was, was cool. That he was going back to New York. Isaac yeah, Okoro. Yeah, he was like the sixth man on Auburn, and Auburn wasn't really that good last year. I don't know. Whatever. That's college basketball talk, but this is college football. A lot to get into about the Michigan State game, even though, I mean, they're not playing this week against Maryland. Who do they play after this week? Who's the Nets opponent? Northwestern at home. So, I mean, they might need a week. Northwestern looks like the real deal, but let's just go straight into it. Let's talk about Indiana because there's a lot to talk about what happened last Saturday. First off, 24 to nothing. Indiana in control the entire time. Michigan State never really – I wouldn't say they never really put up a fight because on the defensive side of the football, I think they played pretty hard. Two turnovers, two interceptions by Shakir Brown. They made some stops at the goal line. Indiana kind of shot themselves in the foot for a lot of the game. But, I, I, I mean, the big storyline, let's just jump into it. I mean, Rocky's bench, Peyton Thorne comes in, I believe, at maybe like the 10-minute mark or the second quarter, something like that. Rocky throws two horrible interceptions, has to be benched after those two plays, and no pocket awareness there. I just want to, first first off, I thought Peyton Thorne looked fine. I'm not ready to, like, call him the Messiah. Like, he made some plays. Like, the first play goes on that nice run, showed his mobility. That one play that Jaden Reed on the sideline where he's running down the sideline and then was, like, a 25-yard completion was a really nice play by Peyton Thorne. Other than that, I mean, the offense was still not great. And Stearns, the offensive line continues to struggle. But out of – what did you like – what you what did you like from Peyton Thorne? His mobility. This kid can move. 
Rocky Lombardi's always been built like more of a tight end, and he was never the most mobile quarterback to begin with. He wasn't a do. He's never been a dual threat guy. But once you take into account whether you know the forces that be with his busted ankle, I know that's something Mel's not going to talk about. But he didn't. He's not looked the same the last two weeks. Let's be honest. Yeah. If Indiana is a heavy blitzing team, you run Rocky out there. All every team's going to do is put eight in the box, run man coverage across the rest of the field, and make Lombardi extend plays. And if you're Lombardi. You have five, six blockers. You know, this is day one install stuff. You have five, six, but you might have, let's say you have five linemen in a running back. If Indiana's blitzing seven, you have to know that there's going to be a man cut free. So you have to get the ball out in two or three seconds. And you are going to take a hit. I mean, that's just how though, that's just how it works. I mean, that's how schematically you can't block everybody when you know when you're running a front like that. But the one thing with Thorne, whenever protection broke down, he extends the pocket. He made that really nice th- that really nice throw along the right sideline to Jaden Reed when he was rolling to his right, and coverage blew up on the right side of the offensive line. If nothing else, if nothing else, the fact that you have a guy who you have to respect the ability to extend plays in the pocket and who can get first downs with his legs, Michigan State needs all the offensive good things, all the offensive momentum they have. R- Lombardi's standing in the pocket with cement. He can't move in the pocket. And he doesn't have a good enough arm to bail him out, and they can't keep him upright. So, no, Thorne is not the Messiah, but I think he did enough to clearly earn another shot to start against Northwestern, other than the overthrow to Trent Gillis, and he made some nice plays with his legs. And he had a nice couple runs, especially running toward his right and running toward his left on the run, made some nice throws along the sideline. I I want to move this into Eric and Joe. I think they're gonna start Rocky in two weeks. I I don't I don't I I know you can't. I don't think they should. But like Stern said, I do think he is banged up. There's something clearly wrong with that ankle because he like you said, Nate. He does not look the same as he did the first two weeks. I I I don't know. I hope they start Payne Thorn. I hope they maybe get Theo Day a look too. But I think they obviously have their opinion on Theo Day of Payne Thorns. The Nets die up after Rocky Lombardi. What do you see this quarterback situ- situation going forward, Eric? Is this a flip flop, or is it going to be Peyton Thorne takes it over, or Rocky takes it back, or maybe Theo Day even takes it over? Well, you guys know my opinion from Rocky from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, any the loyal listeners of the show know where I stood on Rocky even going into the season. Um, if it was me. Peyton Thorne would be the guy he's Rocky is not the future of this program. And he's not the quarterback to build the foundation of this rebuild that Mel Tucker has a long treacherous path ahead of him in that department. And I think Peyton Thorne as a redshirt freshman with a ton of eligibility left and remember that no one has to use up their eligibility this year, if they choose not to, I think that Peyton Thorne, is the guy that should be the guy moving forward. Obviously they think more highly of Peyton Thorne than they do of Theo Day because he got the second reps after Rocky was benched. But I think, first of all, the largest issue on the team lies in the offensive line. I mean, they can't, no quarterback is going to be successful with zero running game, especially these quarterbacks that are still developing for Michigan state. And there's just no running game. It's not complimentary football. Michigan State is not designed to be an air raid offense. They're just not. And especially in the Big Ten, there needs to be balance. 
and there is no balance, Michigan State has the running backs to be able to have balance. I mean, Elijah Collins is a really good running back, and there's that's still such a mystery to me why he's been so underutilized this year. Jordan Simmons has provided a spark as a young player who looks like he has a bright future. And Connor Hayward can really catch the ball out of the backfield. He's shown that ability consistently this year. He might not be the best between the tackles runner, but he, you know, he could get a tough yard every now and then. And I he thought can really, he's been pretty good this year. I'm going to be honest. He can really be a, a, a viable threat in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And that's valuable. I mean, ever each running back brings a certain specific skill set to the table, but there's just nowhere to run. And that's on the offensive line. And Michigan State will not get this rebuild going until they build up the offensive line. And that is where Mel Tucker's and Chris Kaplovich's uh, focus needs to be in recruiting is on that offensive line, because that is what is holding Michigan State back right now. Yeah, let's shift to the defense, because I, I think this was the most impressive performance they've had this year. Personally, I thought so. Just, I, I mean, Indiana, Michael Penitz, dynamic quarterback. To start that game, they got a lot of pressure on Penitz. And Penitz made some really good throws out of the back of his end zone to get this Indiana offense kind of sparked up. Shakir Brown makes a couple plays. Antoine Simmons was, I think this was his best game all year, personally. I He was everywhere on Saturday. So I, that that's like encouraging, right? to see this de- it's frustrating because you watch the Chicago bears and stuff like that. If you're a bears fan, you're like, we have this great defense where we can't do anything on offense. I'm not saying mission State's defense is like that, but it was encouraging to see a guy like Shakira Brown make plays. Right, Joe. Yeah. You know, I mean, for, I mean, as many, I mean, you look at Ty Freifogel and the numbers that he put up alone in that first half. I mean, Shakira Brown, I mean, looked pretty, I mean, two interceptions, can't really take that away from him. I mean, he had a pretty good game. And one, the second, the I think it was the second interception on that pass in the middle of the end zone, I mean, that was a great play in the ball by him to jump mm-hmm. that route. And, I mean, and he I mean, he looked good. You know, obviously, Fry Fogel had quite the game, but that secondary was missing three starters. You know, I mean, it's obviously there's questions there. But, I mean, I thought Kalen, I thought uh, Shakur Brown kind of, you cemented himself a little bit in that game as a guy who can make some plays in the secondary for MSU this year. Uh, the one thing with the eligibility thing that I hope we see in the next couple of weeks is Michigan State just plays anybody on this roster. Just just plays a, a, like anyone with a little potential, anyone with a possible future, get them some reps. On the offensive line, defensive line, secondary, and quarterback. Because those defensive are the line. Sorry, Colin. The defensive line has been good. No, it has, has it been has. has. Okay. Has been above average. I'm not going to go as far as to say good. Uh, There's Penix, been surprises. They didn't get Penix. They got Penix on the ground. What once, twice Saturday. And there was, they did have some pressure that led to Penix's first interception on the, uh, on the opening drive. But Overall, I think the, the as a unit, the defense has been far ahead of the offense. Um, think about the, I can't judge this defense a unit because in the one game that they weren't put behind the eight ball, they played pretty well. And I know, I mean, Michigan stinks, but it, it, just the fact of the matter, I don't know. This offense has put this defense in. So, I mean, 
for Shakir Brown to go out there and get an interception and Rocky Lombardi throws one in Barry Nuts play. That I mean, if you're a defense, I mean, that's maybe the most discouraging thing you could have yeah, in a, happen in a football game. It's so, demoralizing. Yeah. And like you said, Buck, I, on the defensive line, there has been surprises. You're like, oh, that guy's a nice player. Like, he's going to be a part of the future. Uh, and, and, Nate, I, I mean, Jalen Hunt, I, I, you name a couple other guys. Hunt's been really good. Deshaun Mallory's been really good. Michael Fletcher with his athletic 6'6 frame. They got a couple, like three really good building blocks. And then obviously you bring in Rayshon Benny, who's going to compete for playing time right away. Derek Carmen out of Detroit Loyola. They have guys. I mean, I've been, I was worried coming into the season. I thought you, I have, Na- you have Naquan and Slay. Okay. Those are two guys that have played, especially Naquan, not in a starting role. But they're getting 40, 45% of the defensive snaps as much as Trestle used to rotate it in the defensive line. But Jalen Hunt and Mallory have more than held their own, especially Jalen Hunt. I mean, this kid's got a knack to get to the football. He's got good, he's very gap sound. He knows exactly what he's doing and he takes on double teams really, really well. And then obviously factoring in Benny, they have some guys. They they really, really do. Jacob Slate's coming back next year so that's probably the one position group where they have enough talent going into next year and you look and say okay this could be an above average big 10 group because everywhere else especially on the defensive side of the ball Antoine's leaving Harvey's leaving there's going to be a lot of question marks that they have that's the one thing I'm wondering is Antoine leaving and is Harvey leaving I don't know what Antoine's NFL aspirations are I think he could play on Sundays Uh, he's not necessarily the modern day NFL linebacker, because I don't think he's as fast as some of the guys they play in the league right now. So I, I mean, Harvey could be back. Antoine could be back. I don't know, really know what's going to happen. COVID's really weird, but I mean, another performance. I mean, we all picked Indiana to cover. I mean, it was just, it, it was pretty frustrating if you're a Michigan state fan to say the least, because you saw some things, you're like, oh, okay, uh, this could be going for it. They just shot themselves in the foot too many times on the offensive side of the football. And lastly, before I move into Mel's press conference this week, which I think is probably the biggest storyline coming from this game, Jay Johnson on third and two, fourth and one, I mean, just horrible. I'm sorry. And, and, and I can't blame Jay Johnson because I know this offensive line is not what this scheme is meant for. But, like, at the same time, you got to make some adjustments. The the fourth and two run with Connor Hayward is just the worst play call I've ever seen. I'm sorry. Yes and no. Okay. When you're an offensive lineman, my old offensive line coach, the wonderful Mike Lyle, used to say, if you're going to play offensive line, you have to have a few screws loose. Okay. <laughs> when you're – is an offensive lineman, you have to be able to line up across from a guy and take him to where he doesn't want to go. On fourth and two, you have to have the mentality. Doesn't matter if we know what we're if, if they know what we're running. We are going to move these guys. Listen, Michigan State doesn't have a small offensive line from a purely size aspect. I mean, Duplain, Samick, Buter, Carrick, Jarvis, these are 315-pound men. I mean, these ain't these are big, big kids, but and if you're Hayward, it's a one-on-one thing. Like we saw this last year. Fourth and two, fourth and one. He gets tripped up by a nickelback at the point of contact. Run your bloody feet. You're 235 pounds. Yes, he's good out of the backfield. I agree with Eric on that. But when it's one-on-one, 
Adrian Peterson on third and one, if it, if it's him and a nickelback, is not going to be run down at the point of attack by the nickelback. It's not going to happen. And Hayward got tripped up. There was nobody around. It was a one-on-one, squarely playing. He got tripped up short. He just got you just got to run through that and find a way. You didn't do it last year against Tulsa. You didn't do it last year against Western Michigan. You're 60 pounds bigger than him. Run your bloody feet. Okay. I need I need a little Nathan Stearns offensive line rant there. But like I said, I think the biggest headline this week was Mel Tucker's press conference. What was that on Tuesday? Yes. Yes, it was. Where he basically challenged a lot of the guys in the program saying, if you're not going to play hard, you're not going to play physical, you can find your way out the door. I know, Joe, I know all three of you guys, were you guys in the presser? I was, yes. I, I was okay. not, but I watched, yes. I watched parts I of was. it. I watched about half of it probably. I got to finish the rest today. I think this was the first time you really saw Tucker a little, not upset, but not doing with the cliches. Like it was pointed and forward and it was a message to their players. And, and you've already seen movement. And you see Marcel Lewis – guy who opted out earlier in the year, a linebacker, he's now in the transfer portal. Anthony Williams Jr., who looked like a guy who had a lot of potential at the end of last year, had a really nice game in the bowl game. He's transferring. He fumbled this Saturday on his one carry, just really bad fumble. I don't know if that – but there was a clear message in the press conference this week that I, I think it was more like, hey, guys – these guys who are playing right now, you're getting your opportunity. If you don't show up, I'm going to replace you with some recruits. I don't care who who they are. They're going to be my guys. Yeah, it was very like fist pounding. I'm Mel Tucker, especially, you know, he acknowledged that they played better on Saturday than they did at Iowa. But I mean, 24, you're getting shot out of home is not nearly good enough. And they, these guys have to, have to remember that they have such an important role in this rebuild. Like if they lose out, basically it's, you know, they had so much momentum after the Michigan game and that would totally fizzle out and rebuilds are about momentum and you need certain things to happen, certain successes to happen on the field eventually i mean you can talk about it all you want but it eventually it needs to just actually tangibly happen in front of people's eyes and that is something that michigan state since the michigan game has been missing i mean it's been two rough weeks for this team especially this offense i think the defense bounced back pretty well against indiana and held what i think is a better indiana offense than iowa to you know 24 points but i mean this offense just has to find a way to to figure to move the ball and get in the end zone i mean there's it's just as simple as that for me yeah and i i don't know if you guys want to touch on it a little bit more but i mean the mission say we said the past couple weeks it's a rebuild and i think we probably got our hopes up a little bit too high after the michigan game because we didn't know who michigan was either because michigan stinks and Michigan State, we were like, oh, if Michigan State go on the road, Mel Tucker's first year beat a rival. It's still an important game that they beat Michigan We too, but I, I think it just kind of stunted our expectations for this program a little bit, especially in year one. Another huge tenet of a rebuild, incremental improvement. Yep. You don't need to win every game, but 
there's been no on the on both sides of the ball. Okay, you need incremental improvement from week one to week two. You had that incremental improvement, and then week three and week four, you played worse. I mean, you can argue there was a degree of incremental improvement on the defensive side of the ball between week three and week four, but special teams and offense, there hasn't been anything. There's been no sign that we've tried to fix these things, and I know they have, but you know, the one thing I will say about Kaplovich, okay, it's hard to rotate in anybody else at this point when Matt Allen's out, when Devontae Dobbs is out, when Luke Campbell's out, they're not going to run out Dallas Fincher. Like, they just, there's a, they don't have enough talent at that spot. I mean, Dobbs, who a lot of people want to play, is hurt. Mustafa Khalifa opted out. So this is kind of the starting five you got to roll with right now. And then, you know, some combination of Blake Buter, who's received some playing time. But it's just, it's frustrating because it's the same stuff you saw last year. And for guys like Nick Samick and J.D. Duplain, who are getting a lot of reps, who didn't get a lot of reps toward the early part of last year, but when Buter went down, when Allen went down, when Campbell went down, when Jarvis went down, these guys got the chance. And these are sophomores, and both of them have struggled too. I mean, you've seen the inconsistency with Ricky White. You've seen the inconsistency. Jaden Reed was a little bit better, 63 reception yards on four uh, catches against Indiana. But in terms of incremental improvement, it's like, can you say Ricky White? I mean, no, he's not going to go for 196 yards every game. Has he gotten better since the Michigan game? He's been a no-show. Three out of the four games this year, he hasn't done anything. Well, at the same time, Serge, you got to have someone who get him the football, and they can't get him the football. The quarterback, it's obvious that I, I – everything we say, though, right now, and I feel – it feels sort of like an overreaction because I, I'm going to give Tucker the benefit of the doubt year one just for the circumstances that this program has gone through the last six months and, and give him a proper shot next year. Is that I think this year is basically like a sprint football. Like, hey guys, let's let's figure out what we have on this roster, and then we'll get locked in for next year. But you're right; they gotta get. If you're a fan, you're not gonna get excited unless you see incremental improvement. And you're right; they don't have to win every game, but the offense can score some points, maybe. Right? Like, seven points in two games is not incremental improvement. No, it's not. They took a huge step back since the Michigan game. Okay, let's move on. Go around the Big Ten. Talk about some actual good football teams. Indiana, uh, they go to OSU this week. We'll talk about that game later. It's gonna be it's gonna be a litmus test this weekend. But do you guys think Indiana's good? Like I I know it sounds stupid just to ask that, but I don't know if they're good. They're they're much better. They're a top-tier Big Ten team this year, but this game Saturday in Columbus had very much has more of a big game feel and look than it does in actual substance. I mean, it's two top ten teams, but it's, in my opinion, like – I mean, Ohio State's a 20-and-a-half-point favorite for a reason, and we'll talk about that in the pick but I don't see any scenario where Indiana wins this weekend unless Justin Field gets hurt on the first play of the game and, you know, so does Sean Wade or somebody else. And I just – I don't see any scenario in which Indiana wins at Ohio State this weekend. I just don't. And I think that that's where they are. I think 
it's Ohio State, it's 10 feet of crap, and then it's Indiana in the Big Ten, or Wisconsin and then Indiana. And Indiana and Wisconsin play each other in a couple weeks, so I think we'll be able to measure who is really the second-best team in the conference. But I don't think Indiana is nearly ready for this Ohio State test. I agree. I I like Michael Penix. I just – it's not like he's not dynamic enough to take them over the edge to compete with someone like Ohio State. And you look at the teams – I mean, other than that Michigan State 2015 win with Tyler O'Connor and Damian Terry, like you look at the teams that have beaten Ohio State in the past, you've had to have a dynamic quarterback basically. You have like Juice Williams. You have Kirk Cousins. I mean, even when Ohio State had that really rough year when Jim Trestle left, Denard Robinson had a very nice year for Michigan that year. Yeah, you need to have very to above average quarterback play to beat Ohio State, especially in the Big Ten when Ohio State has more talent than 12 out of 12, 14 out of 14 teams in the league, basically. So I I, I think Penitz is good. He's just not on that upper, upper echelon with guys like Justin Fields and other guys in the country. Uh, I mean, let's talk about – Ohio State's rival Michigan. I mean, Wisconsin absolutely trounces them. I think the Harbaugh era is done. I, I I don't know when it's coming, but I think last Saturday night was – if he was going to have any sort of rebound or response after the Michigan-Indiana weeks, it would have been that Wisconsin game. And they flat out did not show up and looked – it gave up. It did, the effort was definitely not there. That, that was a referendum for Harbaugh. That's exactly what that was. And this is a continual pattern. This is a continual pattern. You don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go on some 10-minute, you know, laced rant here, but at the end of the day, the problem with Harbaugh is not that he's a bad coach. He is a good coach. The problem is the fact that you get one of the best recruiting classes in the country every year. You're getting paid a top five coach's salary in college football and you're getting eight, nine wins a year. You didn't hire this. You're not paying him to go eight and four every year. You paid him so that the 10-year war between Woody Hayes and Bo would be reignited between you and Ryan Day. And that hasn't happened, and frankly, it hasn't come close. And this is a Michigan team that looks like they don't care right now. I mean, that there is no first, there is no excuse, none, for getting trounced by 40 at home to a team whose only game was against a really poor Illinois team and then didn't practice for two weeks. I mean, they put they put 50 up and could have put 60 up. I mean, my good – I mean, you can say what you want about Don Brown not adjusting. He's his own worst enemy. But I still think – I think Harbaugh – because I think if I'm – if I remember correctly, next year is the last year of his contract. Yes. So – that's going to be the year they're not going to renew it. I think they'll go maybe three and five, four and four. They might find a way to squeak past Rutgers. I think they still have Maryland. They might lose that game, but they'll be 500. He'll blame the pandemic. They're going to give him one more shot with McCarthy. And short of going to Indianapolis, winning the whole dang thing and going to the college football playoff, he's a dead man. But I can't see it in a world where, you know, Ward Manuels called him the ideal Michigan man, where he – where he gets fired. It's going to be a mutual parting of ways where the contract is not renewed. So both parties can save face. 
Well, I mean, they benched Milton at the end of the last game. I understand, I mean, they were down a ton, but they said that Matt the Americans have a shot to play. So, I, I mean, maybe that five-star McCarthy from IMG, like, is the savior, as every Michigan fan has said the last five quarterbacks have come into Ann Arbor. But, I, I mean, I, I Milton has talent. He hasn't had the decision-making good enough to be a productive quarterback in the Big Ten so far. So, I don't know. I mean, Harbaugh's supposed to be some QB whisperer, and he hasn't really developed any quarterback except, I mean, Andrew Luck. And and I know he did a fantastic job with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith in the NFL, but he has not developed one single quarterback of his own at Michigan. And how, I mean, that's that's something that is almost unredeemable because that's what you brought him in to do. Yeah, that's been his downfall. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't been able to find you his quarterback. You can't get a quarterback to, at, at Michigan with all the resources, all, all like yeah. everything they have. The, you got to bring Shea Patterson to be mediocre for two years. That's why the marriage of Harbaugh and Michigan is going to end soon. I mean, there's just – he looks uninterested. The players look uninterested. It's just time. I he mean, doesn't want to be there. I think that I he, he doesn't look like it at least. It's – you know, and you can – throw all the blame on him for failing. But at some point, the players have to take control of their program too. And they're just, the effort's not there. I mean, it's just not, it just hasn't worked out. And it's unfortunate for Michigan. It's fortunate for the rest of the Big Ten that it hasn't worked out and that Michigan has been, you know, down for so long and they've screwed this up. Now three coaching hires in a row and Rich Rodriguez, Brady Hoke, and now Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh's took a little bit longer to fall apart, but well, I mean just, they've had good teams. I mean, no, I, it's not I, that they could, haven't had good teams. The yeah. 2016 Michigan team was very good, and they they were better came, than Ohio State, and they blew that game. Yes, yeah, and they that's coaching. They just choked. They just choked in that game, and that was their chance for Harbaugh to take them to the. Big Ten championship game and potentially the college football playoff, and they th- and they threw it away. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And since then, it's just been a down. That was what year three in Harbaugh in Harbaugh's tenure, 2016. Yeah, or year two. Yeah, year, year two. two. Still with Brady Hoke's players mostly, yep. but um, you know, it's it's just for as a Michigan State person, yeah, it's great, whatever. But from a Big Ten perspective. It's just the proud Michigan program has not been that for going on 15 years now. Yeah. They don't compete in a bit time. It's just odd. No. It's odd, but whatever. I mean, another proud Big Ten program that looks like they're not in shambles, but this year has definitely been a step back for James Franklin and Drew. Sean Clifford gets benched. And then they go Will Levis, I believe is his name, more of a running option. He actually played a lot better than Sean Clifford. Nebraska gets up really, I mean, gets up big pretty early. They look pretty good. It looks like McCaffrey's the answer in Lincoln, not Martinez. I, I, I like Scott Frost. I, I think he'll eventually work there. Penn State this year. I, I mean, do you guys do you guys take it with a grain of salt, or is this something you look forward to spilling into next year? It just doesn't, it's just weird, you know. I mean, to be 0-4, I get, you know, they don't have some of those pieces, you know, Journey Brown, obviously hasn't really played, but I mean, like you're missing one guy. I don't know if he's the difference between 0 and 4 and whatever, but it's, it's just weird to me that this team, the expectations were very high 
and yeah. that just has not even been close. It hasn't even been close. Yeah, and I I think people were a little bit too high on Clifford. If you watched Penn State play last year, he struggled when they put the ball in his hands and made plays and down the stretch in big games. Also, I think a lot of people expected this defense to be a lot better because they thought they would have Micah Parsons, who's arguably probably going to be one of the better defensive players in the country. Just if you watch Micah Parsons at linebacker last year for Penn State, he was a freak. So I I, I don't know. I don't know if this spills in the next year. I think this is more an anomaly. I think Penn State's always going to have maybe the second or third most talent in the Big Ten, and it just – it's just about a James Franklin's so screwed up in the game. It's just, can't, can our coach stay sane enough for 60 minutes to win a football game? So, uh, whatever. But Nets, favorite coach in the Big Ten, not in East Lansing. Pat Fitzgerald, the Cats are rolling. Beat Purdue this weekend in West Lafayette. Sets up a huge matchup with Wisconsin, basically for the Big Ten West title. Northwestern looks good. I mean, this is shades of what they did two years ago, and you got to give Fitzgerald all the credit in the world. He's made Peyton Ramsey better. Like, if you – 2020 or not, the fact that Peyton bloody Ramsey right now is in the driver's seat to win the West is weird. I mean, there's a reason why Green Bay did everything they could to hire Fitzgerald a couple years back. This is a guy who took a very stagnant program and consistently wins between eight and ten games a year. I mean, he's a stud. He's young. He's what you want in a coach. You can tell he cares. He's embr- he embraces modern ideas. He's Go not good. Yeah, I mean, I. How can you not? You know, I mean, I'm not a Northwestern slappy, but how can you not? It's like Indiana. How can you not want a team that's been stuck in the dirt for 50 years to not do something good? Yeah. You never hear anything about Northwestern or Indiana running their mouths. You never hear about them having recruiting issues or. Anything like that, they do things the right way. They're honest, they're forthright, and they put a good product on the field and don't cheat the system. And th- that that's hard to come by these days. And, and especially with Northwestern, who is – there's a lot of very good schools in the Big Ten and a lot of really good schools around the country. They will not bend their academic standards for their football players. For them to be as good as they are year in and year out, I mean, last year it looked, just looks like a fluke. I mean, they went to the Big Ten championship game two years ago. So what Fitzgerald's done with this program and what they've done this year to rebound after last year has been really, really impressive. And I'm looking forward to the game this weekend against Wisconsin. Yeah, that's, that's going to decide who wins who wins the West. I mean, that's pretty much for all the bloody marbles. And, and, and for that reason, when we move into the weekly awards that we're going to do right now, I named them after some Northwestern and Wisconsin players. So we'll start on the offensive side of the football. The SRZ Dan Persa Offensive Player of the Week Arguably the best Northwestern quarterback I've seen in my lifetime before he tore his Achilles. It was a shame. Never forget that Iowa game. I think I'll never forget that Iowa game because as a young Michigan State fan, Michigan State needed Iowa to lose for the possibility to go to the Rose Bowl. And regardless, they didn't go to the Rose Bowl anyway. But I'm going to go with Sam Howell from North Carolina. I mean, him and Sam Hartman had an absolute duel in Chapel Hill. I think he went for like 450 and five TDs. Shout out Sam Howell. My favorite quarterback in college football right now. He's my SRC Dan Persa player of the week. I went with Kyle Trask. I mean, 23 of 29, 356, six touchdown passes. I know Arkansas is bad, but put, scoring 63 on anybody, any power five teams, hard to do. I mean, he's playing his way 
into maybe being a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. He's playing out of his mind right now. I went with the, I went with Ty Freifogel of Indiana. I mean, he had 200 yards and two touchdowns. His first touchdown was maybe more impressive than his second with how many tackles did he break on that on the sideline there, at least three or four. Mm-hmm. And he just, Indiana has really good, two really good receivers, maybe the two, the best receiving duo in the big 10 in Fry Fogel and Watt Fillier. So 200 yards and two scores for Fry Fogel and East Lansing on, on Saturday is he is my SRZ Dan Persa offensive player of the week. I went with a, uh, from the, the big game last night, I guess if this counts, is the, everybody doesn't count as this week, but whatever. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan University. Yeah, he had a big game. Four four catches for 212 yards, and three of those catches were touchdowns. I know, so, the Broncos big beat win. up on my chips. I didn't like it. 3-0, Western's 3-0. And I almost picked the quarterback, Ellaby, because he had five. But having four catches, three of them for touchdowns for 200 yards is a pretty impressive stat line. Averaging about fifty yards, fifty-three yards a catch. So he <laughs> That's is my ridiculous. Yeah, I know, and he is my SRZ Dan Persa offensive player of the week. Dan Turner, I gotta ask you, why did you move so far away from your uh, computer? You're like in the other room almost. <laughs> well, what are you? Or why are you laying in bed? Because there was an air conditioning <laughs> issue in the other room. I usually record. If you were if you were here earlier, if Joe, I was here on time, yeah, knowing that, yeah. But yeah, what well, I mean. I they I mean we'll shout out what I mean Western Central, pretty good teams inside the state shootout. Do you think I, I think Western or Central could beat Michigan and Michigan State? They could give them Western, games at least. Oh yeah, that offense Western is pretty good. I mean fifty one to forty five. Do you think Michigan State could put up fifty one against anyone? Maybe they wouldn't be able to put up fifty one against anyone, but they'd certainly be able to score against MAC teams. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. They wouldn't give up. That'd be a, be a Jaden Reed statement game. Yeah, maybe. They wouldn't give. Know. They wouldn't give up fifty-one. That's for sure. I'm getting too excited. I'm sorry, guys. I I, <laughs> I just gotta throw some. Keep throw, it keep it realistic, Colin. Yeah, Let's I go. know. You gotta throw it. Hey, gotta gotta throw some questions out. That keep they gotta keep the listeners interested. Okay, let's move on to the defensive player of the week. That's our see Chris Borland, defensive player of the week. I went with Jalen Phillips. He had four and a half tackles for loss. Miami, I believe, defensive end. He he's projected to be a pretty high draft pick. Two and a half sats, four and a half tackles for loss. At the end of the that Vatat Miami game, they ended up getting a big sat there. So I'll go Jalen Phillips. I'm gonna go on a completely different note and go with the entire Michigan State offensive line because classic Nathan Stern's mean, 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 meany. They have been the best form of defense. <laughs> I mean, they did a better job stopping Michigan State's offensive momentum than the Indiana defense did all game. You ran for 60 yards on 24 carries last week. You ran for 32 carries on 60 yards. They were running the ball for less than three yards a carry. You gave up four sacks. You gave up seven tackles for loss. I mean, it's easy to win when the offensive line sits there like a bunch of human turnstiles. Oh, come through, come through, come through. It's okay. Yeah, we don't mind if we if you deck our our future quarterback. It's fine. Yeah, we, we don't care enough. It, it's perfectly fine. And Peyton Thorne and Lombardi are on their backs in a second and a half. How did, that's the best defense by not caring. 
How about um, not enough muscle hamsters on that uh, that offensive line there, Sterns? That I that was all time tall, all time tall. If you guys know the rule of football, yeah, fantastic. Man you you taught you taught me you taught me something new, a new term Doug, on hey, Saturday. Doug, Stern, Martin, so. Doug, Doug Martin. Martin is the muscle hamster. So Stern's I don't know how I didn't know that. So is Audrey Kestemay. So is Audrey Kestemay. Who is I don't that? Know who that is? <laughs> four-star running back that they got out of New Jersey that Michigan State flipped. Oh, that's they call muscle hamster. It is huge, and he ran. He's run for like sixteen hundred yards in New Jersey, going up against like Paramus and all these other schools. He might start at running back next year, and he's built like a tank. He's two hundred twenty pounds of pure muscle. I mean, there ain't enough. There ain't a shred <laughs> of fat on that kid's body. Okay, Joe Danger. Oh, God. Who do you got? Oh, All right. right. No, Andrew I have to go. Uh, well, Joe Andrews bathroom. Just sorry, you have to go. Yeah, no, I have to give my pick about who the sorry. defensive player of the week is. I'm very confused. Stearns just threw me off there. We, but I think according to the doc, Joe just copied mine. Uh, Shakur Brown, two interceptions. Uh, we already talked about him earlier. He played well. Did get burned for the long touchdown, but you can't win them all against those Indiana receivers. Played well. Two picks. Uh, got Penix twice, so doubled Penix's season interception total uh, single-handedly. So I just said everything I need to say, say for you, Joe, I think, since you're copying my pick. Yeah, I mean, it's a safe pick. And uh, also <laughs> that big the big touchdown that he did give up, the Freifogel, I, it was like a turn and go. I don't really remember. It was a fantastic throw. Yeah, the throw to get it over Shakur Brown right there was – I mean, it was on a dime. And that's yeah, tough to defend. Yeah. Good bat shoulder throw is always tough for a cornerback. Uh, Eric said everything that needs to be said. Yep. SRZ Joey Ellis Memorial Unit slash Frame of the Week. I'm going with Tom Allen. It was pretty funny. I got a couple text messages from a couple family members. Just Tom Allen, I, I I, mean, I've watched Tom Allen coach before, but you always kind of forget how energetic and just like kind of crazy he is on the sidelines until you watch him play the team you cover or what you're rooting for. Guy's a psychopath. Guy's losing it on the sidelines every five seconds. I, I I love it. I love how he gets emotional in every single press conference. I love a coach who wears his heart on his sleeve. So give me Tom Allen for the Joey Ellis Memorial Unit slash Frame of the Week. I'm going Paul Christ. Coming, getting the Badgers off the mat. He's such two, a good coach. Uh, two COVID cancellations in a row and just go in and curb stomp Michigan under the primetime lights in the big house. I mean, what Paul Christ coach. is – he's such a good coach, and he's just no-nonsense, all business, has the personality of my big toe, as uh, Nathan Stearns would say. But um, you know what? It doesn't even matter because he just gets the job done. And he's a he's, he is a frame himself. I mean, that dude is – he's, he's a, a big, big guy. He's a big guy. So he's the SRZ Joey Ellis Memorial Frame of the Week for me. I went with Mel Tucker's headset that he begrudgingly trucked across the field. I think it was in the first quarter after there was a block in the back penalty. I was wondering when it was going to be the first time that is that he would snap his headset in frustration. So to commemorate this wonderful, wonderful achievement, uh, the first of many headsets, we hope that Mel snaps <laughs> in frustration. I went with that poor Mel Tucker chain and then the poor intern that had to probably go sweep that off during immediate timeout in the middle of the field. Okay, well, I, I, Collins, I didn't know if you were going to cue me, but my uh, Memorial Frame of the Week, Joey Ells, 
memorial frame size unit is the AVC producer from the concessions line at Spartan Stadium. Very, that was probably the most positive moment of the noon game on Saturday. Uh, one of the nicest dudes I ever met in passing. He thanked me for paying for my hot dog. I don't know why, but he did. And we were in line. We were talking it up. He said he was doing well. He acted like he knew who I was. I had zero idea who he was, but he's a great guy. <laughs> I, he was like, it was like we had met before. I don't, he made me feel, he was so nice. And we, it was like we had met before. I was like, this I dude, this. I was like, hey, man. I was like, hey, man. I was like, hey, random ABC producer, you know what? You know, get yourself you a beer after this game on. Get yourself a beer after this game on me. Get yourself a beer on me. I was supposed to do the hot dog. You know, you're this you're the student journalist paying for the network workers stuff. No, I wasn't. I never actually paid for anything, but the dude was so kind I thought I might. <laughs> seems, I mean, seems like seems like he should be paying for yours. Oh yeah, he probably should be. I don't need to work behind the scenes, try to make it a little bit more. <laughs> probably. Uh, but, probably yeah. more than hey, and also the bit. dude also the dude was the size of a of a D one offensive lineman. <laughs> Shout out that producer. Joe made a – you catch his name? Yeah, he's exchanged no, numbers. No, he was wearing a credential. I didn't even fucking look at it. Or I didn't even – we're going to want to cut that part. <laughs> fine. Yeah, I mean, not whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I didn't get his name. So, um, no, but really Great nice story. dude. Really yeah. nice guy. And it was a very positive experience at the stadium at that moment. And then everything <laughs> went downhill from there. That was at halftime. Um, and everything went, you know, really. Cover Michigan time. State game, you make a friend. That's what they say at Spartan State. <laughs> I don't know about when that. He's he just a nice guy, Collins. I'm not friends with him. He's just a nice <laughs> dude. Jesus. Uh, okay. Those are the awards for this week. Let's move into the pick'em. Last week, Eric Bach. Good week. Oh, Good week for Bach. Seven and one. Our leader, yeah. Joseph Dandrin, at 22 and 10, had a nice week, five and three. Me and, and I picked Stearns. first, like you asked. Yeah, I know. Nathan Stearns and I both went four and four, but the standings right now, Joe Danger 22 and 10. Eric Bott made a, hu- a huge jump last week to 20 and 12. Him and Nathan Stearns are tied, tied at 20 and 12. And I am in lonely last place at 16 and 16. Good week, though. Well, that, I, I'm proud of our percentages. We had no one under 500 right now. Yeah, we're doing well. And I'm just on, I'm on cloud nine. I'm ready to, I'm ready to follow it up with a, with another big week. We got a long, big slate this week. So I gotta, I, we gotta lock yeah. in here. Move in. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Without the Michigan State game, we got to talk about something. So might as well. Yeah. But okay. First game, Friday night game, Minnesota only plays on Friday nights. I'm convinced now Purdue at Minnesota, Purdue minus two and a half, seven thirty on BTN, Eric Bach. Purdue, I was that was my one loss last week. Was Purdue? I picked Purdue against Northwestern. Um, I'm still gonna stick with the Boilers this week. I don't just because of how bad Minnesota has been this year. I think that Purdue finds a way to. They got brought back down to earth a little bit by Northwestern on on Saturday, and I think that I th- still think that the Boilermakers are gonna find a way to cover two and a half at Minnesota. So I'm gonna go with Purdue. Stearns. Two for two. Let's go, Purdue. I, other than not knowing what Ron, what's going on with Rondale Moore since he was supposed to play last week and then five minutes before the game, they magically announced that he's not. Minnesota is a dead team walking. Jeff Brown's a good coach. And Purdue, Purdue's a decent team. 
Nothing special, but two and a half isn't anything. I think this is a game that Purdue will win by between seven and ten. So this isn't a huge concern for me. I I can't I can't quit Minnesota guys. I can't quit them. I don't know what it is. I watched that Iowa Minnesota game last week, and their defense can't stop a soul. But I'm still taking Minnesota. I don't. I, I'm just convinced that they're gonna put it together one of these weeks. That logic is probably why you're in last place, Collins. Yes, I know. I'm a gut over stats guy. Always have been. Always will be. Joe Dandron, <laughs> okay. as we as we said last week that we weren't going to let you pick last. We oh. let you pick last first pick of the week. That's why I gained two games because we got onto them last week. Well, hey, I tricked you guys into and let me do it this time. So, <laughs> give me Purdue. Okay. That's Goes it. with I, the consensus I, I, for the first time yeah. ever in pick-em history, Joe Dandron. Safe option. Safe option. Also, Purdue's probably the better football team. Okay. Move on to Lincoln. I think actually, that's pretty obvious. Move on to Lincoln at noon. Nebraska hosts Illinois. Illinois getting 15.5 points noon on BTN. I'll start us off and then throw it to Joe Dandron because he can't be the last person to pick in the pick That is our new Cardinal rule. Uh Give me Nebraska. I think they might have figured something out with Luke McCaffrey at quarterback. I like Nebraska. Um, ooh, this one's weird because 15 and a half, Illinois plus 15 and a half, that's a lot of points. It's a Not lot of points. It's scores. No, no. You know, but I, I, hey, I really like Illinois to cover here 27-12 by a half a point. Okay. I like you gave a score there, Chris Berman. I'm with Dandron here. Illinois, big win last week against Rutgers on the road. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Nebraska as far as I can throw them. I think Nebraska probably wins the game. Illinois covers 15 and a half for me. Yeah, I'm going to make it three in a row. I That's a big line for a mediocre Big Ten West team. I mean, I know Illinois isn't good, but they did look better without Peters beating going down to beat, beating Rutgers. That was impressive because – Rutgers is a better team that actually looks like they care this season. So that's just too many points. I mean, if McCaffrey's half the player and half the athlete that his dad was and that his brother was, he'll be really, really good. But I, that's just too many points for me to safely think that Illinois is not going to whatever. So give me Nebraska, but I don't think they cover 15 and a half. We moved so to the Collins. What? Collins alone on the first two. This is a chance for you to for you to make up some ground here. That probably is just or it's a chance for me to fall even farther behind. <laughs> probably. It's always a gamble. I was trying always to keep it positive, but okay. Okay. But now we move to the American Conference, 330 on ESPN. Number seven, Cincinnati laying seven points on the road in Orlando against UCF. Joe Dandron. I was being affirmative. I thought I was going to be on mute, but I, the American conference, sneaky, good football conference. Um, I like Cincy here, number seven in the country, UCF who had, I mean, obviously they've been good in recent years. They had Scott Frost for a couple of years there when they went undefeated. Um, But I like Cincy here. They're the better football team. Fickle has those guys playing. And I don't know if they covered last week, but I know we picked a Cincy game last week, I think. So I like Cincy here. I'm going with them again. Yes, absolutely sandblasted everyone they've played this year, and it hasn't even been close. Desmond Ritter's played well. 
I like what he's doing. Jared Dokes is playing well. I mean, UCF's pretty good. What are they, five and two, five and three? But Cincinnati's leaving a war-torn path, and at the rate they're going, depending on Notre Dame-Clemson, uh, that game in the ACC, assuming that they don't get to the championship, they might have an outside shot of possibly contending for one of those four spots. So I'm going Cincy here. I'll say this. Uh, UCF has been the class of the American since basically they, I mean, Staff Ross is down to Orlando. But seven seems like a not enough points for the Cincinnati team. So I'm going to take Cincinnati, lane the seven points. UCF, uh, Dylan Gabriel hasn't been great this year. Uh, and he was a good quarterback last year. Quarterback has not been the issue for them in recent years. But they've struggled to put up the points they usually do. And their defense is, like it usually is, is never the best. So they're not going to kill people on the defensive side of the football. I think since he's too much, I like the seven points there. Yeah, as much as I want to go against the group, I can't do it. I think Cincinnati is really good and – Great, good teams win, great teams cover. Cincinnati is consistently covered this year, so I think they continue that streak this week in Orlando against UCF. Okay, 7.30 on ABC, Bedlam, number 14, Oklahoma State, getting seven points as they travel to number 18, Oklahoma, in Norman. I'll start us off. Give me Oklahoma State. I'm sorry. I mean, I know Oklahoma's looked good the past couple of weeks. As they've played good competition – they have struggled, and this defense still stinks. And I know Oklahoma State's no world beater, but they'll be able to run the football at will against this Oklahoma team. Give me Oklahoma State plus seven. I'll go because I don't want to be accused of going last. I love Oklahoma here. I don't think Oklahoma State is any good. I think they were highly overrated earlier in the season, and I just I have no belief in them. And I think Oklahoma's figured it out a little bit. Spencer Rattler's been better. Uh, Lincoln Riley's got, got that team on the mend. And in Norman, if this game was in Stillwater, I would have more confidence that Oklahoma State would cover. But because it's in Norman and fans are actually a factor in the Big 12 this year as opposed to the Big 10, I think that Oklahoma uh, – I, I, I'm going to take the Sooners here. Every time I pick Oklahoma State, I always get bitten in the buttocks. So I'm going with Oklahoma too. I this is what you do again for a team that's so one-dimensional as Oklahoma State is. Put nine in the box or eight in the box. That way Chubba can't break 85 yards every bloody time. They Oklahoma State didn't look good against Texas. They squeaked out an ugly win over Kansas State. I think Oklahoma, yes, I know Kansas is Kansas, but they've looked a lot better against Kansas and Texas Tech than, frankly, Oklahoma State has. So I like Oklahoma and Norman as well. I'm going to go with Oklahoma here. I mean, last time I really watched like an Oklahoma game was when they lost to Kansas State. Um, but Oklahoma State, I mean, I remember back when they were a top eight team. It might have been higher than that, even like top five or so. I mean, they, they, they were a little overrated at the time. Plus seven, I like Oklahoma, especially at home. I don't know, guys. I, I, a rivalry game, I think it'll be close. Spencer Sanders has barely really played this year. And, and, and with him in the lineup, they're a different offense. I know they didn't look good against Texas, but I don't know. Move on. Got a weird game on ESPN 3, 730, number 21 Liberty, getting three and a half points as they travel to NC State in Raleigh. 
Airbot, you put this on the dot. We'll start off with you. I'm just going to say it again, Collins. The potential for movement up the leaderboard for you this week is is huge. That's three games where you've been the lone wolf. Again, I don't know. Potential to I move saw down this, the leaderboard. Well, that's true. I saw this number, and I thought it was kind of weird. I just didn't. I didn't know what yeah. to make of it. So I figured to throw it onto the dock, and we'd we'd see what happened. Liberty, you know, the fighting Hugh Freeze is how long. Hugh Freeze is the next football coach at South Carolina. Book that down. Um, but I think, I don't know. I don't trust NC State. I don't really know why. I just think that the, Liberty, it's their year this year. It's their yep. year to do some weird things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Liberty. I'm Liberty. going with NC State for there the sole reason. I, I want to pick Liberty. I really, really do. Because when he become, what I'm curious when he gets hired to South Carolina, is he going to cheat as much as he did at Ole Miss? Like we're going to have to <laughs> that too. But I've all, you guys know me. I've always liked the Wolf Pack. The last two weeks, NC State lost to North Carolina. They lost to Miami, who are better teams in the ACC. They're a decent five and three team. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack in Raleigh because, for the love of God, North Carolina needs a half decent football team. Pat Pride. So bloody bad. For once, do something right. I mean, North Carolina is pretty good, dude. And Wake is pretty good, too. I thought North Carolina football is probably the best football collegiately they've had in a while, collectively. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, but I'm also waiting for the inevitable UNC late season collapse. Letting up 53 points to Wake Forest is not a good look. I I'm mean, a, I'm a Dave Baldwin guy. Wake Forest has good coaches, and I like Sam Hartman. I don't know why we're talking about this. Wake Forest is wins a, a win. Wins yeah. a win. But I, I, I'll, right. I'll go next. I, oh, oh, I was... You want to go? You can go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, goes, he goes. He goes. Go to Andrew. Hey, you know what? I love Liberty here. I love Damn. Liberty to win this game outright. Liberty Dang. went to Syracuse one by 17, went to Virginia Tech and one by three. Eight and oh, they've won a couple of one possession games. They know how to win on the road and they know how to win a close football game. I like them to not just cover, but win this one. I'm pretty sure Liberty's like covered the last like six games they've played in, too. Yeah. Like they've, been, they've been a cover machine. Give me Liberty. I can't go against that. That's game on the slate. Put two. them in a New Year's Six. Yep. Eh, I don't know about that. They'll get hammered. But, uh, uh, Number 20, USC, minus three on the road at Utah, 10.30 ESPN. I love a late game. I love the Pac-12. I'll start us off. I like – USC was not impressive last week against Arizona. I'm a sucker for USC, too. Give me USC minus three. I don't think Utah's that good this year. Utah hasn't played a game yet, mind you. Yeah, well, they're not that good. I mean, they lost a lot of guys from last year's team. No, I know. I'm just saying this is Utah's first game of the year, just don't so everyone Zach is clear. Don't have Huntley. So I'll go. USC. Uh, I'm, I'm two for two in picking USC games this year. I picked them to cover, and they covered, and I picked them to not cover last week against Arizona, and they didn't cover. That was where one of the ones that I gained a game. So I'm going to stay on the USC back-and-forth train. I, I just think Utah – First game of the year, there's all sorts of issues that come in first games of the year. I think the USC finds a way to cover three. I do too. I 
not USC hasn't looked great so far. I mean, the, the, they should have lost Arizona State and they struggled mightily against an unranked Arizona team. But Utah's always physical. You know, they're always going to have four defensive linemen who are going to get drafted and 85 good nose guards every year. But yeah, without playing, I'm going to pick USC and I think they win by like six or seven. Nothing pretty, but they'll find a way. I'm all in on USC in this game, too. I mean, as we – obviously, the rest of you guys are. But Utah hasn't played a game. USC, I don't know, Pac-12, I don't really know if anybody is going to play conference outside of maybe Oregon. Um, so – but I still like USC to cover three here. I'll say this. I did – I looked up a stat. I, I was listening to a different podcast that where the teams that have played less games have won more than the teams who have played more games this season in this COVID world, which is very interesting to me. And it was at a very like high percentage too, so I mean that not necessarily means any. I mean that doesn't necessarily mean anything if they played a couple more games. Just saying. Move on to the next game, PU, Michigan minus ten and a half in Piscataway, seven thirty BTN. Guess what? Rutgers is covering this. They might win money line. Michigan has given up, and I think they're gonna play McNamara and Milton. So I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth between that position. And I think Rutgers, this is a good spot for Rutgers to maybe get a win. I like, I mean, I like Rutgers out right here too, but because that's Michigan just, I mean, where, where are you sold in this team outside that Minnesota game really? And they've struggled pretty, you know, mightily throughout the year outside of the Michigan state game, they put a 24 and started to score the football. So I don't know. I like, I like Rutgers to cover 10 and a half. This is going to be a rock fight. When I sit on the board, this is going to be an ugly, ugly, ugly game. The only two teams who Rutgers has really gotten blown out against are Indiana and Ohio State. Yes, they lost to Illinois, but they, that was a 50-50 game. They re- that was a bad loss, and obviously they beat Michigan State. I could see Michigan winning this by three, maybe. I could also see Rutgers winning this by three. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Neither one of these teams is going to beat the other by double digits. So I'm going to take Rutgers to cover here. I'm not going to project them to win outright. I think it's too close. I think it's a 50-50 flip, frankly, on who wins. Because I think Rutgers has regressed somewhat since week one. But no way. No way Michigan beats them by that much. With you, Stearns, I, I don't understand Vegas. How can somebody, an odds maker, objectively watch Michigan and then make them a 10.5-point favorite on the road in the Big Ten? Well, the thing about the – I guarantee – I don't know what this opened at, but I guarantee you it had opened at maybe Michigan, like, minus seven. And Michigan has such a fan base and just the name that there's – people will put boatloads of money on them. And people will put – and Sharps will put even more money on them so they can bet it the opposite way for even more money. So, I don't know. It is – it ten and a half seems wrong. You're right. You're right, Eric. So, you know, what? Are the, what's the old saying? If, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. Yes. So, I think that Michigan – Michigan could win, but there's no way they cover ten and a half. So I'm gonna stay stick with the group here and, and make it a make it a clean sweep for Rutgers. Back in the big ten, Iowa travels to State College. They're laying two and a half at three thirty on BTN. They're laying two and a half points in State College. Did we believe that? I I, I can't believe that. I hate that line. Give me Penn State money line. 
Penn State's going to go with a new quarterback and leave us. They're going to get a little bit rejuvenated here. This is a get-right week for Penn State. I, I, they're not going to give up on James Franklin. Like, I, I, like, you can say what you want about James Franklin. I think he's in pretty good control of his program. They're going to get a win this week against Iowa. That was I a like, lean for me. That was a lean for me. Penn State. I was leaning Penn State going in, but you just convinced me, Collins. I don't think I was very good. I think that everything you said is right. I think that Penn State. Penn State's got to win a game. I mean, yeah. Imagine Penn State going over in twenty twenty. I can't. They 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 get in. They get on the win in the win column this week. Give me give me the Nittany Lions. I think it's gonna. I think Iowa covers here. Okay. I mean. I'm going to take Iowa minus two and a half. It's going to be close, but they'll, they'll win. They'll cover the spread um, with a field goal or so. I like Penn Iowa's State, quarterback. I'm going to be honest. Penn State has a lot of problems, and I just don't trust that team. Do you guys like Iowa? Iowa's got a decent offense. And, okay. I know they, and I know they played – they haven't really played a great defense, but I, their quarterback looks a little bit more productive than Nate Stanley was. I don't know. I, I don't hate – Whatever his name, Petrus or Petrus, whatever his name is. Let's make it He's two. Okay. Let's make it a two-two split. All right, there we go. Penn State. I'm sorry. I mean, this is a dead team walking again. The the Indiana game broke them. Like, take what are they playing for? Like, your bowl game hopes are out the window. You can't convince me that. Iowa's looked better. I mean, yes, I know they played Michigan State and Minnesota, but they blew both of those teams out of the water. I mean, I think Iowa right now objectively is playing better. And Iowa, they've already had their reckoning. I mean, they started off the year 0-2, and I was the first one telling you Ferentz is a dead man. But he's pulled himself – he's pulled his butt out of the fire just in the nick of time. So I'm going to take Iowa here. Okay. I, I hate Iowa. I don't know what it is. Always have. Iowa's just one of those programs that it might be the Steelers uniforms. Get your own uniforms. Yeah. Penn State also, they got way down last week at Nebraska and they came back. So maybe they have some belief that maybe we can come back and do this, even though they lost the game. It's just I, something I don't about know. Penn State this week. I, I, I agree. And I don't know if they've announced Levis is starting. He should be. Clifford was horrible last weekend against uh, against Nebraska. So, I don't know. We'll see on Saturday, I guess. Big game, biggest game of the Big Ten West this year. Number 10, Wisconsin, lane seven and a half on the road in Evanston. Number 19, Northwestern, 330 on ABC. Seven and a half. I mean, Wisconsin's looked good in the two games they played, but doesn't that seem like a big number? No. no. Give me the Badgers all day long. Oh, Okay. I think the Wisconsin is far and away the best team in the West and Northwestern's had a nice run, but I think that they get brought back down to earth on Saturday by Wisconsin. Think of it this way, Collins. Okay. We've all Wisconsin's always had the ability to run the ball. Okay. Their offensive line moves people, but the difference between this year is they're not running Hornibrook out again. Mertz is a stud. Okay. And who other than other than Ryan Day, who would you trust to get up for a big game coaching-wise? Paul Chris is probably the second-best coach in the Big Ten, at least in my opinion. Northwestern's been decent. 
I mean, but getting in Iraq, there's a wide gulf between getting in a rock fight with Purdue and getting in a rock fight with Iowa and then playing Wisconsin. I think this is a game Wisconsin win easily. Oh, me up next. Sorry, I was looking at something. Um, <laughs> so Northwestern, I like Northwestern to cover here. Uh, I think that their defense is very good. And I think that um, Peyton Ramsey is going to do enough to keep it close. Northwestern will not win, but it will be, they will cover the spread. I think Northwestern might win this weekend. That would be electric. And I don't, I, I, no I, way. Absolutely no way. I think they might win this weekend. This feels like uh, in this COVID times, and I know this is bad logic. It just feels like a year Northwestern goes to the Big Ten title. Like, uh, who remembers that year? Northwestern was in there. They played Ohio State, lost by 70. Like, what, what happened that year? I, 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 it just kind of feels like that. And I also believe in Northwestern. And, and, and as good as Wisconsin's looked, against Michigan and Illinois. I watched both those games. The breakdowns and coverage on both those teams, like Northwestern is competent on the defensive side of the football. I don't think it's going to be as easy on the offensive side of the football for Wisconsin as it was in those first two weeks. So give me Northwestern to cover the seven and a half. I think that's a lot of points for a game of this magnitude. Keep in mind, too, that Wisconsin was not at full strength last week still because of the Big Ten's COVID rule. And – they will be closer to full strength this week because more guys will be eligible to play out of the 21-day quarantine that the Big Ten has imposed on these teams. So all the more reason for me that Wisconsin, I'm all in on the Badgers this week because they're going to be as close to full strength as they have been the entire season. And Wisconsin doesn't lose these games. I mean, you embarrassed embarrassed the fighting Don Browns last week. So I – they, they don't lose these games. This is not a game that, that they lose. They are the Big Ten West version of Ohio State. So, yeah, I think me and Eric are on the same wave, wavelength with this one. Okay. Move into the biggest game of the week in the Big Ten and in the country. Number three, Ohio State hosting number nine, Indiana. Indiana getting 20 and a half. Bid noon kickoff on Fox. What do we think, Joe Dandron? This one's interesting because 20 and a half is a lot of points. I think for Indiana, um, you know, there's no fans. It's a completely different when you're playing in that because that stadium is, I mean, the horseshoe is one of the best in the country. And when there's not fans, it's a different environment. I like Indiana to cover 20 and a half. I think Ohio State still wins by double digits, but I just don't think it's by 20 points because I think Indiana is a better football team than that. Um, I think Tom Allen's got his guys playing. I think this offense to an extent and for most of this game is going to be able to keep up with Ohio State because their secondary does have a little bit of problems. Um, so I like, I like Indiana to cover here. Do you want me to go? Yes, sir. I think that because I agree, Joe, that this is a lot of points, but because Ohio State's game last week against Maryland got canceled, Ohio State has had more time to prepare for this game. I think that Ryan Day and coaching staff were probably tuned in very attentively to Indiana, Michigan State last Saturday. And I think that, I mean, Mel Tucker said that there were lots of plays to be had out there for that Michigan State offense. They just couldn't execute it. Ohio State's offense will be able to execute it. And until Ohio State let, lets me down, I'm going to stick with the Buckeyes. I just think 
I don't think there's any scenario where Indiana wins this outright. And this just feels like one of those top 10 games that turns into a blowout in the end. I'm going to, I'm going to cautiously pick Ohio state. I'm going to take Ohio state because I think they're going to win by a million. This is a, and, and people, I mean, our freshman year, Eric, if you remember, or Joe, if you remember that when Michigan state, they go out, beat Penn state. And then they're 17 and a half yeah. point dogs. And everyone's like, what is that line? What is this that line? This feels like a, that game. And guess what? It they, does. Ohio State won by like 40. And it feels like another one of those. No disrespect to Indiana. It's just Ohio State's a different level. It just is what it is. And I don't think their offense and Michael Penitz is generational enough to, to bridge the talent gap between these two teams. And keep this in mind, too. Ohio State already was at a fewer number of games than these other teams that they're going to be competing for playoff spots with. Ryan Day needs to make Ohio a statement. State needs to make a statement and pass the eye test. So if Ryan Day has a chance to run this thing up, he's gonna. And I think that they will have a chance because they're the best team in the conference and maybe the country. So I'm just the more that we talk about it, the more confident I am in Ohio State. But what say you, Nathan Stearns? I've gone back and forth because I, on one hand, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. I, I, I think they could be Clemson. I really, really do. But on the same level, that's a lot of bloody points for a team that, with the exception of the Michigan State game, is averaging 37 a game. I mean, they Scott's a good player. Phil is a good player. They got some. They got some guys. I can't. This isn't a game. It, Ohio State might hang up a quick 14, but you're not going to see Indiana roll over. That's just not in their DNA. That's not how Tom Allen rolls. So I'm going to reluctantly, like, skin of my teeth. This is a game Ohio State maybe wins by, like, 17, because you have the extra week off, yes. But sometimes the best thing you can do after a game like Indiana played against MSU, where, frankly, they should have won by 50, is you turn the page quickly. Okay, sometimes you get all out of – you see it in baseball all the time. Think of the 2012 Tigers. You swept, you swept the Yankees in four games, and then you go to the World Series and you get swept in four. You see Don't that remind a, me. Don't remind mm-hmm. me. You see that a lot where you, you get an extra bye week and it ends up stunning your momentum. So I'm barely going to pick Indiana. I still think Ohio State wins by at the margin of 14 to 20, but uh, that's too many points for me. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's kind we of weird. Split. Yeah. We split the three Big Ten games. That The three Big Ten games. That's good. Some movement's going to happen in the SRZ Pick'em this week. I like it. I like good. it. Good. Good. Need that. Need that. But My 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 lead is dwindling. Yes, it is. If Joe wins again, I actually, I don't know what I'll do. But <laughs> well, that makes two of us. Might need to get an award this year. I don't know. Should we get make a trophy like a handmade one or something? That's a, yeah, I'll I'll make it. A virtual. I'll make it for one. myself. Just make a virtual trophy, because I don't know when this is the next time I'm gonna see you guys. We're going into lockdown again. All right, thanks. Collins, it's warm enough. Let's go golf. It is not warm enough to golf. No, it's not. You're right. Okay. I'm I'm with Collins on this. Shout out Dustin Johnson. Good one on the Masters. Got emotional too on that last screen. He's now. A favorite of mine. Any guy who gets emotional in a press conference, I like. I don't know what it is. It might just be a softie, but I love that. Did you see Tom Allen then after the Michigan State game basically saying we played like crap and we should have won by 40? Yes, I love He's that. He's right. 
that's the mark of a good coach. That's the mark of a guy. Who, <laughs> I mean, most, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, eh, you know, we'll, there's things we can improve on, but we won by 24. I'm happy. He roasted his guy. So that, that's, again. Well, no, he knows they need it against Ohio State this week. They're not going to win. Ohio State's on a different wavelength, but. Yeah. Okay. Good episode this week. A lot going on. But, hey, no Michigan State football this week. To all the Michigan State fans out there, relax. Get a beer. Just relax. Watch the Big Ten slate. You don't have to worry about your team this week. But for Ryan Collins, Eric Bott, Nathan Stern, Joe Danger, we'll see you guys next week.